You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. Happy Valentine's Day and happy Transfiguration Sunday. You probably didn't know what that's about, uh, but I'm going to tell you here coming up. Uh, it's also my wife's birthday, so shout out to my wife, Karina. Happy birthday. And we'll be able to get some time out without the kids tonight, enjoying some time together. So, uh, welcome. I want to talk to you a little bit about Transfiguration Sunday, and, and let me start off uh, this way. You know, with the inauguration of a new president a few weeks back, in many ways, there was essentially a re-inauguration of science and technology as this new administration committed to taking the pandemic seriously. I, for one, welcomed any change in tone or tenure which sought to take seriously a virus that has already taken the lives of nearly half a million Americans. I'm glad to see leaders talk honestly and openly about the very real threat of climate, climate change and global warming. And uh, I'm hoping to never ever have to hear again the phrase uttered by anyone in uh, leadership of that of alternative facts or anything similar to that ever again. While I'm hardly a scientist or statistician, I take science seriously and I take the scientific method seriously. If someone tells me that vaccines cause autism, I'm going to want to see what kind of data or proof they have to back that claim up. If a scientist says that global warming is a farce, I'm going to want to see if they've got some other scientific people, some peers behind them supporting their positions. If someone says against all observable data that something else is true, I'm going to question the legitimacy of their of their points, of their assertions. Science, data, and facts matter to me. You know, this method, uh, this scientific method of making observations, testing those observations, trying to repeat those observations, and circling back to the initial observation uh, of that newly gathered data has been the foundation of modern society going back to the 17th century. In many ways, this reliance on observability, measurability, and repeatability has replaced God as the building block or foundation of our modern world. And by and large, a lot of good has come from this. I mean, just think back to another global pandemic, that of the bubonic plague some 500 years ago, and think about how they thought that germs were spread um, via bad smells, and that the plague itself was a punishment from God. But as great as science and technology has been, and, and of course, don't get me wrong, I mean, just think about the speed and efficiency in which uh, vaccines for this pandemic have come to market and been produced. You know, as much as we appreciate being able to do this and video conferencing, which has enabled us to see one another despite the physical separations, I wonder about all the ways in which this insistence on science and technology has hindered our ability to see God and to experience the divine, to experience the sacred. Now I say this as a pastor, someone who has committed his life to spreading the message of God, to sharing the story of Jesus, 
that after all this technology, this artificial intelligence, this, these powerful computers and stuff, that it can be easy to conclude that religion and Christianity is just a leftover relic of a less evolved humanity. And in this context in which Christians and churches seek to find a niche for spirituality amidst DNA sequencing and quantum computing and artificial intelligence, all these 21st century scientific wonders, it can be easy for Christianity to be boiled down to simply being about, you know, following the way of Jesus by being good and doing kind. Not that I have anything against, in principle, doing good and being kind. Also, I'm very well aware of all the ways that Christianity and religion in general has been used to justify all kinds of wars, bigotry, and just evil in general. But if Christianity is simply just about being good and doing kind, then, then why should I be in church, even if it's virtual or in some future event in person, why should I be in church on a Sunday morning rather than just being down at the local United Way or food, food soup kitchen or shelter or whatnot? Why should I be in church as opposed to those places? Not that being in those places is a bad thing, but what makes being in church meaningful and important and, and significant? What is it about this way of Jesus that calls us to do good and be kind? Yes, it calls us to do that, but also invites us to a deeper connection and experience with God, with the divine, in a life-changing way. In ancient Celtic Christianity, and if you're not familiar, just think like St. Patrick and Three Leaf Clovers, and that's a little bit oversimplified, but hopefully you get the point. But in ancient Celtic Christianity, they had this idea known as thin places. So have you ever been to a geographical location where you felt inexplicably close to the vine? Um, maybe it was at the beach, at the forest, in the desert, something like that. The ancient Celts had a phrase for these kind of places. They called them thin places. And the idea was that in their mind that heaven and earth were only three feet apart, but in these thin places, that distance was much, much, much closer, much, much thinner. Now, you know, I, in reality, at least I believe, there is no distance, there's no separation between creation and creator. We are irrevocably intertwined. It's simply that our awareness is heightened in certain places when we're in the beauty of the natural world. Now, separate but related to this idea of thin places is, is this term known as liminal spaces. The word liminal comes from Latin, which means threshold, any point of beginning or uh, starting over. Basically, it's the time between what was and the next. It's a place of transition, a season of waiting and not knowing. These ideas of thin places, liminal spaces, come to mind this week as this is, like I said, what's known as Transfiguration Sunday in the church world. The year or the time every year in which the church celebrates the weird, wild, and wacky story, otherworldly story, of Jesus being transformed or transfigured on a mountaintop in front of his disciples.
and this story has got all the elements of a good fantasy science fictiony type story. I mean, first Jesus transformed and transforms into this blazing bright white light. Then like dead people appear. There's a booming voice from out of this world that narrates the whole thing. And of course, uh, there's terrified humans along for the ride trying to figure out what the heck is going on, looking on in terror and disbelief. So the story comes from the Bible in Mark chapter 9. I'll go ahead and read it here. If you'd like to follow along, it comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 2. Starting in verse 2, it says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them... To the top of a very high mountain where they were alone, he was transformed in front of them, and his clothes were amazingly bright, brighter than if they had been bleached white. Elijah and Moses appeared to them and were talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all this by saying, Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let's make three shines, three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't know how to respond, for the three of them were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice spoke from a cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. Listen to him. See, I told you it was, it is quite the story. And let me, let me confess something. Every year in churches big and small across the country, when the time comes for pastors like me to preach this story, well-meaning, seminary-trained, scientific-reasoning pastors like me wonder and worry about how we're going to tell this story in a way that's not going to make Sunday morning feel like another episode of The X-Files or straight out of the Twilight Zone. You know, long story short, physical transformations, ghosts, otherworldly voices, like they don't exactly jive with the scientific method, if you, if you get my point. So what happens is pastors like me, well-meaning pastors, we want to talk around the story. Uh, we want to talk around the event about the fear of the disciples, uh, about Peter's odd request to build three shrines, about Jesus' assertion that they don't tell anyone. I mean, that, that's weird in of itself, right? But we want to talk about all of this rather than what actually happened. And I mean, can you blame us? We don't want to be perceived as some kind of like unscientific rubes from the past. And we don't want the message of Christianity to be, to be written off as this unscientific, outdated form of religion from a less civilized past. But I wonder, but I wonder as much as it goes against my common sense, against all that I know to be true about logic and reason against the so-called scientific method, if these are the things that we need to pay closer attention to. If these are the kind of things we need to pay closer attention to. Because I don't know about you, but as much as I appreciate science and technology and, and all these great advances, it can leave me feeling lonely, isolated, and disconnected. I mean, for all the praise about the ways that uh, science and technology has enabled us to stay connected through this times, we could, we could equally argue that it's taken just as much, if not more, from us. I mean, think about social media and the ways that it, it's been used to spread all sorts of lies and conspiracy theories. 
thing about Zoom, even this kind of video conferencing like we're almost doing right now, about the ways, yes, we can see each other face to face, but in many ways when we hang up because we're not actually there, you know, physically with one another, it leaves us feeling more isolated and more lonely. I think of the internet in general, which, I mean, has somehow convinced us that we were, should be able to homeschool our children and work from home at the same time. It is insanity why we thought such a thing was possible. And all of this so often leaves us emptier, lonelier, and more devoid of purpose and significance and meaning in our lives. So, so the point of all this is that rather than running from the uncertain and the unscientificness of this story, rather than seeking to water down all the weird parts that we don't understand and the concepts that we just can't quite get, rather than making Christianity about simply being good and doing, being kind and doing good, that we need to instead run full steam ahead into the unknown, the uncertain, and the unprovable. It's because in these weird, strange, and uncertain places, these thin places, well, that's where the real transformation occurs. One author says it this way. He says the key to genuine growth is to embrace the discomfort and not be in a hurry to either rush backwards in search of a familiar that no longer exists or forward towards a new normal, whatever that might be. Boy, that sounds relevant, right? He says resist resist the temptation at all costs. Just let it be. Hold the tension lightly and without judgment, and through the discomfort, linger as long as you can in liminal space and ask what it has to teach you. This is the time to sit in the ashes and engage in contemplation, meditation, and silence. Attempts to control the situation are futile. Just be still and know. Be still and know. It reminds me of that verse from Psalm 46.10, to be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you, but I, for one, am not super great at being still and knowing that I am God. I have a hard time seeing God. Yeah, me, the pastor. I tend to take God's presence for granted, yet God is quick to reveal God's self in ways that I'd never expect when I need it most. And I'm always humbled by whom God chooses to reveal God's self through. A few weeks ago, I was going through a stressful, stressful few days and weeks, and my body was beginning to bear the brunt of the stress. So I made an appointment to get a massage as I was dealing with some rather uncomfortable neck pain. So the next morning I walked into the, uh, to the massage clinic, filled out the paperwork, laid down on the massage table and you know, tried to breathe through the, the mask stuffed against my face. The massage was nice, if, although rather insignificant. It's what happened after the massage that really stuck with me. As I went up to the counter to pay, the reception, receptionist looked at me and said with eyes full of love and compassion, he said to me, hey, I saw on the form that you're a pastor 
He said, I don't know what you're dealing with. And I know you've had some stress going on in your life, but I want to let you know it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. As he said this, I looked deeply into his eyes, deeply into his eyes and saw deep, deep love and compassion flowing through him. And I was, I was transformed. I was transfigured by what I experienced that, that moment. And I left that office knowing that I had been in a thin space, a liminal place, knowing that I had experienced God through that young man. And I was very humbled in many ways because this young African-American man had been willing to be a conduit of God's love and compassion in a way that was incredible. And I thought about all that I have learned this summer, that so more often it needs to be the other way. That me as a young, relatively young at least, privileged white straight male need to be showing so much more love and compassion towards people like him, yet he had chosen to be a conduit of God's love and compassion towards me. It was incredible. And while these kind of experiences are fewer than perhaps I'd like, mostly I think because of my inability or resistance to seeing them, I could share with you more stories like that where I've experienced God's presence in ways incredible. Things that have stuck with me and what always impresses impresses me about them is that they're always in ways that I would have never expected. You know, in this world of scientific knowledge and incredible computing power, I'm grateful for all the ways in which humanity has benefited. But I also want to reaffirm the importance of making space and entering places in which we are challenged, discomforted, and just plain weirded out. Because it's in these thin places and liminal spaces that we experience God and are forever changed. My question for you today is this. Can you think of a time in which you felt God's presence, in which you experienced the divine sacred? Is there a thin place or liminal space for which you can go to to find connection with God? In this world of scientific facts and certainty, how do you make space for uncertainty and an unprovable God? I believe that it's in the asking will create space for God to seep into our lives in ways unexpected. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.com dot org.